Hi, this is Rabbi Chaim Mintz, and welcome to the fourth episode of my weekly podcast, The Mensch. Boy, the Supreme Court came out with a lot of things this week to do with Electoral College. But before I tell, get into what they spoke about, I noticed when I was speaking to people this week, they didn't understand what Electoral College is, and a lot of people don't understand how the United States really works. So there are two words that get bounced around that people do not understand. The first one is democracy. We're a democracy. But if you listen to other people, they say, no, we're a republic. What are we, a democracy or a republic? And the answer is, we're really a republic, not a democracy. Let me explain. A republic is a state in which supreme power, that's all the power, is held by the people. They choose through election their representatives, and these representatives go and vote the will of the people who should be the leader of the country. And we'll call that a president. How many, how many elect how many votes are there in the electoral college? Oh, that's an easy answer. You see, each person that is in the House of Representatives, not the Senate. The House of Representatives has the power to vote one vote who they want for president. There are 538 of these people in Congress, the House of Representatives. Now, let me tell you, when you vote, you live in a certain state. Your state has a certain amount of people in the representatives, and they Say, okay, we want this candidate, we want this candidate. So in the, if we're in California, for example, guess how many representatives we have? We have a total of 55. So out of the 538, we got a block of 55. Whoever's the winner, the Democrat or the Republican, that's the representation. And they will have to vote for the Democrat of the choice. I want to explain one more thing. We're not one country. We're not. We're 50 countries. That's right. Each state is their own country. Rhode Island is their own thing. We call it states. But each state really has its own leadership and their own constitution. We in California, we have a governor. He is the president of the state of California. In Sacramento, there's a lot of people that work to make the laws. They're the representatives. They go in and they say, all right, I'm from Long Beach. This is what my people want. And then all of a sudden, these people say, I come from the Antelope Valley. This is what we want. Some people say, I need more water. They discuss it up in Sacramento. So we have California with its own culture, with its own ideas. Minnesota is its own country. It has its own culture and its own ideas. We, at the beginning, had 13 of such countries or colonies. And we decided we want a federal government. We want one government. 
to be on top of us for three things. That's all Washington was made for, for three things. The first thing was, we want to make sure that there's an army that protects our 13 countries. We want to make sure that business, the laws that are in New York, that if I go and buy something in Pennsylvania, the person in Pennsylvania doesn't mess me over. So the federal government makes sure that the commerce goes back and forth. And the third thing is civil rights. That whatever is in New York, you have the same rights as you're in um, Massachusetts. Somehow Washington grew, but I'm not going to get into that. We now have 538 of these representatives from the 50 states, from the 50 countries, each one with their own opinion. So if I want to give you a couple of insights, did you know that in the year 2000, the election, there was George Bush versus Al Gore. Al Gore has 537,000 more votes than Bush. But Bush became president. Why? Because we're not a democracy. We're not a popular vote. We are 50 countries saying, time out. We have a say. Now, why is that important? Why did our constitution say that way? I got to tell you why. If big states like New York and California, which they are the biggest states, if everybody voted for one president, most of the people live in Pennsylvania, New York, Texas, Florida, and California. Imagine those five states. They all said, we're voting for one candidate. No other person could ever, ever get a chance to win. So what did they do? They awarded points to each, according to the amount of people that are in your state. That's why we have to take a census. There are 538 that is divided amongst all of these states. New York used to have a lot more, but they're losing people. And they're going down to Florida. Florida is starting to have more of these representatives. So when you go to vote in California or in New York, what you're saying is, I want that man, Donald Trump, or that man, Biden, to represent me, the leader of all 50 states. So the state of California, at the end of the day, we look how many people voted, who won. In California, if Biden won, 55 of these people will go and vote for Biden. And he needs approximately 271 to guarantee victory. Now, I got to be honest with you. In the last election in 2016, Donald Trump had 304 of those electoral colleges, electoral votes. Hillary Clinton got 227. Now, that sounds like a landslide. But the reality was Clinton got over 300,000 more votes in the whole country than Donald Trump. So the importance of keeping it an electoral college, it means, is that New York, California, Texas, Florida are not the only ones that we care about because if they have the biggest population, then everybody else in the country would never, ever count. And then all of a sudden, you can have a total liberal, a total conservative. And the rest of the country says, when do we get a say? And you don't. Now every state has 
has a say. So Hillary Clinton may have won New York and a lot of other states, which have lots of people that are Democrat. But she has to now also win Nevada, Arizona, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming. And if you don't, those little those states may have little numbers, but if you win 10, 15 of them, that's about 75, 80. And that counterbalances California. So the Electoral College is an important way that all 50 states have an equal say who will be our president. So why did the Supreme Court have to get involved? Something happened in 2016. A lot of people did not like Donald Trump. A lot of people, even Democrats, did not really like Hillary Clinton. So in 2016, three electors of the state of Washington pledged to vote for Democrat President candidate Hillary Clinton. Others said, no, we're going to give it to Donald Trump. Others said, no, we don't want Donald Trump. We're taking away our points that we have, and we're giving it to Hillary Clinton. What does that mean? That means that if Nevada or Massachusetts votes for Hillary Clinton, then all of those seats and all those votes have to go, those electoral guys all have to go to Hillary. People were saying, you know what? I don't like Hillary or I don't like Trump. Imagine a state that everybody voted for Donald Trump and all eight have to go to Donald Trump. Five of the people go and say, I hate Trump. I want to give it to Hillary. Guess what? Or to Biden now. So these people were taking into their own hands power to change their vote. Came to Supreme Court and said nine to nothing. That's unanimous. You as representative have no permission because a representative has no power. You have zero power. You are only a voice of the people. And the voice of the people is more powerful than anyone in Congress and anybody who, who's part of the electoral. So if you're in a state and you don't like the way it turned out, the Supreme Court said, if you change your ballot, we can jail you and we can also fine you. Nine to nothing, which is a powerful thing. Why do I say that? Because there's a lot of people in the Democrat Party, they lost two elections. Hillary won more votes than Donald Trump. Al Gore won more votes than Donald Trump. Than, 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 uh, than George Bush. But George Bush won more states than Al Gore. So he had a big representation all over the country. That's why he won. That's why Donald Trump won. Because of most of the little countries that make up the 50, you can't go and only let five, six states run the country because then it would be like a monarch. It would not be either a democracy or a republic. So I'm very proud of the Supreme Court because there are some liberals there. And you never know. They could go and say, hey, you know, the winner takes it all, the popular vote. No, you got to be immense. The greatness of America is we're not a democracy. We are a republic. That means the power is in the people and even in the small states that may only have three 
three people to send to vote for the president from the power of given over to by the people. So those three, like North Dakota and South Dakota, they only have three. They don't have a big population. But if you in those two states, you have the same amount of people as Nevada, six. So one party can win six in Nevada. Someone else can go and win two states. And it's equal. So that's why the electoral college is important. Because now you have to, I can't just campaign in New York and California and Ohio and Florida and Pennsylvania. Because if that was the five states with the most population, candidates would never go and listen and care what goes on in Nevada. They don't care what goes on in North Dakota, South Dakota, because you don't count because I can outnumber whatever you vote with the biggest states. The Constitution says, not going to happen. Welcome back. You know, there's so many things that are happening here in our country, and it's moving very fast. Did you know recently in Rhode Island, there was a big, big protest going on in front of their state house and what happened was is that they were all screaming, defund the police and divest from the police and abolish the prisons. That's right. Abolish the prisons. Get rid of all prisons. We don't need prisons. Question is, is jail really that bad? Now, let me tell you what goes on in jail. You go into a, a, a cell room that's, what, about 10 feet by who knows how many feet you're with another person. You're like a little tiger, a little lion. Inside a cage is walking back and forth. There's nothing for you to do. A tiger has to be free. A lion has to be free. How much more so a human being? We're not created to be locked up in a cell. So every once in a while we get, every day we get a chance to go out to the yard. We can play basketball. We can do stuff. But that's only for an hour or two. The human being was created with a spirit move around. There's something wrong about what goes on in the prison. If you think the whole idea is to take a person and put him behind bars so he can pay his debt to society and then let him out, all you did was was put a guy in jail who was angry and is going out going to be even angrier. Because while in jail, he was just like, what am I doing here? Raging. What should be done? Well, there's a lot of people talking about defunding the police. But I would say take some money from the police and put it into the prison and create high schools and college. Or better yet, have in the prisons vocational schools. So when a person gets out of prison, he can work as a mechanic. He can, he has his mind, he has a job. You know, a lot of these people have kids, but they don't know how to support themselves. So they just go back and do crime again. We are a human race and we have to have empathy. And if we put somebody in jail, we still have to look at their godly spark in them. I want to read to you something about what studies have been shown. Studies conducted over the last 20 years 
unanimously indicate that a higher education in prison, if you make such programs in prison, reduces them coming back into prison, which translates into reduction of crime in the street. And you go and you hear, oh, defund the police. Oh, these people that are screaming, defund the prison. You bet. The way the prisons are right now, it's totally broke. When I was 19 years old, I was asked if I would like to go to Rahway Prison in Rahway, New Jersey. I got to tell you something. Rahway Prison is maximum security. And I said, of course, I'd like to go through. So the very first thing is, is they say, okay, stand here. Say, so stand here. And a guy comes in. He presses a button and a door opens up. And you really hear it. Clang. And I'm walking through and I'm feeling like this. Whoa. Anybody's claustrophobic, this is a place. And then all of a sudden, there was a chain of people. These people had all their feet tied together. They can barely take a, a wide step. And their feet and their hands were handcuffed together that they couldn't move. So these people all chained to each other. And they're walking in very slowly with, with officers with these big rifles. And they lead them to a bench right in front of us. And then they took off things from their hands and their feet. And now there were four soldiers, there were four police officers in the room with these rifles. And I'm looking at this scene as you gotta be kidding me. I've never seen anything like this. But you know what? You have to love these people. You have to have empathy for these people. So what we did was we gave them an unbelievable happy holiday. We started playing the music. And all of a sudden I walked over to one of the guys I said, come on, let's dance. We started dancing in a circle. They all got up. And the four of us were all dancing together. One of the prisoners had his hands on my shoulders. We were singing, David. So a song that anybody went to any Jewish Hebrew school growing up, they knew the song. They were loving it. But there was one guy that was crying. I said, you okay? And he goes, I said, I look at you four. And I say, I threw away my life. And here I am. I have nothing to live for. And all of a sudden, the others started talking the same way. We threw away our lives. If we only knew better. But what could we do? We got involved in the wrong thing, with the wrong choices. So what did we do? We set up with the organization that we came from, that once a week, a rabbi goes to Rawway Prison and studies with them. This is one of the most successful programs that there is that for prisoners, etc., They love coming to classes. They write letters to their children and to their loved ones. We're taking classes. We're learning this, we're learning that. And they're able to have a remorse them into better people with a better understanding of what a human being, and they're telling it to their families and everybody, make the right choices. Listen, you want to defund the police and close the prisons? Our streets are going to be, it's going to be chaos. But as long as we have a prison, I say, start educating them. Because if people are going to go out and they're going to get back into the streets, let's give them a chance. Let's give them a chance to get a job. Let's give them a chance that they're educated. Because an educated person is going to be a productive person. And that's what America is all about. 
And that is treating a prisoner like a mensch. And that is how us taxpayers are a mensch when we demand from our people, don't defund the police, but let's try and make it better for the criminal so he doesn't go back again. What say you? I'd love to see, read your comments below. I say, let's reform prison. And now for the next segment, which I always enjoy, I'm going to let my producer, Jack, tell you how this works. Hi, Rabbi. This is What Would a Mensch Do? These are quick bites asking topical questions from today's news. And for our first question, Rhiannon. NFL quarterback Patrick Mahomes just signed a record-breaking contract worth up to $500 million over the course of the next 10 years. As an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, how would your life change with that kind of money? What would remain the same? Wow, $500 million. You know, I always hope to win the lottery. But the question is, what would you do with $500 million? The very first thing I've always said was, is that I need a huge synagogue. I want to make a community center where I can go and help a lot of people make an educational center. I also would like to go and just pay off my mother's house and pay off my children's house. That's all that would be for me. Everything else, if anybody knows me, I live in Bel Air. I don't live like I'm in Bel Air. I love helping people. I love being somebody that would be an educational person. And I would just hire many more people and make more avenues to help the community. Once you have that kind of money, you can also reach out outside the area and help homeless people. I would, you know, we just spoke about education. A lot of homeless people, if they just were able to get a little bit better of an education, bring it to the streets. That's what we're all about. $500 million means you have power. Question is, what do you do with that power? I would say, make it better. Oh, if I was a rich man. Great question, guys. Thanks, Rabbi. Kanye West recently announced he is running for president in November. How does the Mensch feel about a Kanye campaign? What does this say about politics? Even Elon Musk endorsed him. You know, Kanye is creating the birthday party, and that's the way he wants to run his campaign. I got to tell you something. I don't think he's going to get far in his election. But more importantly, I would love to see many more people trying to run for president. And the reason why is because we need good minds, people that can really make a difference. Now, do you realize who are some of the best presidents that have become presidents? Uh, governors. The reason why governors are great presidents is because, A, they really have to run a business, their state. They have to balance budgets. They have to also, from time to time, think about bringing out the National Guard, which is putting lives in danger. They've already been a little bit trained to be able to go and lead people. Now, we right now have a businessman as president, Donald Trump. As a businessman, you're able to see what works and what doesn't work. Now, some of you may agree with me, you may not agree with me. I personally love that there should be people that know how to run a business should be the president of the United States. Because let's be honest, this country is an economic country. That's what makes us strong. 
Kanye, you want to run this country? You want to run for president of the United States? I have one question to ask you. Seriously, did you ever, ever run anything as big as the United States? Governors have done states. You want to just come out and say, I can run the United States? Not that easy. Kanye, I love your enthusiasm. I love that you would want to make change. I got it. But there's a lot more to it than just being popular. Great answer, Rabbi. Here's the next question. Apple TV recently launched a television show called Dear, where influential figures read letters written to them about how their work has affected their personal lives. Uh, From Lin-Manuel to Oprah to Stevie Wonder, this show has it all. Uh, So my question is, have you ever written a letter to someone about how they impacted your life? I didn't write a letter. I actually made a video. My mentor, who taught me so much, um, he had a stroke, and it was very difficult for him to um, communicate, but he was able to watch videos. And I was asked to make uh, videos for him and edit videos for him, and I did do it. And then all of a sudden, I took the brashness to take five minutes, and I put myself in a studio, and I said to the Rebbe, I want you to know, thank you. And I spoke personally to the Rebbe, and I even said, may you have a speedy recovery, but it's not just me, but there's millions of people around the world that would love to say the same thing that I just said to you. And I got to tell you something. When, when I heard that it got to him and that he watched it and he watched the whole thing, I got, to tell you, I got goosebumps over my hole because I got to tell you something. When you're able to go and say to somebody who really impacted your life, and changed your life and say thank you and say that I hope forever I'd be able to go and be a living example that you'd be proud of. Um, That was one of the happiest moments I ever had because writing such a letter or making such a video is really powerful. We should all do it. We should. There's always a teacher that we all have somewhere in our life, whether a third grade teacher or a sixth grade teacher. I bet you there's always, we all have that person. No, be a mensch. Write them a letter. Find them. They'd love to know 20, 30 years later the impact that they had on you. Because they always get complaints. Trust me. It's good to get a good letter from one of their favorite ones. Wow. You guys are great with your questions. Where are you coming up with this stuff? Four rabbis got together and they were discussing which is the greatest verse in the entire Bible, entire Torah. And one rabbi goes and says, love of a fellow as yourself is the most important verse. And all the rabbis, they go, that's a great one. But another rabbi goes and says, no, I got one that's even greater. He says, which one? He says, I am the Lord your God. Because if you don't understand that Lord is your God, why would you want to do what's right? They all looked at him and said, yeah, that's pretty good. The third one went and said like this, no. At the beginning, when God created heaven and earth, the whole concept of creation, God created this world for a purpose. He created me and you for a purpose. We have to live our purpose. Everybody looked at that rabbi and said, that's a great one. 
The last one goes and says, I have the ultimate verse. And they looked at him and says, what do you have? It says It says in the book of Numbers, and you shall bring the offering in the morning and the evening continuously. They all looked at him. They said, that is the greatest verse in the entire Torah. So what happened was, is that um, what made that verse great? And the answer is, my friends, yes, it's great to love a fellow. Oh, yes, it's great to know there's a God. Oh, yes, it's great to know that God created the world and you have purpose. But the word continuously, whatever you do, you can't just love a person when you want to. Whether you like them or not, you still have to continuously be a mensch to other people. Many times people serve God and they do it, but if they're angry at God, no, I'm not going to do it. The rabbis understood. No, even when you're in a bad mood, continuously do the right thing. Oh, yes, I have purpose, but sometimes I don't want to live my purpose. I just want to um, go out and just take a few drugs and blow my brains out. Let me have some fun. No. Continuously, whatever you do in life, God wants you to go and do the right thing continuously. Because when you do it continuously, it means that's who you are and that's how you dedicated your life. Each and every one of us. I want you to think about that. What do you do continuously? Would you like to do other things better more often? Take some time. Think where you can do a little change in your life. And you will fulfill the greatest verse in the entire Bible. That I serve God continuously and that is the way the mensch lives have a fantastic week and remember every one of us make the right choice continuously because you always have to be a mensch god bless you all